0: Love, Hope, Radio. Hi, I'm Christina Metter.
1: I'm John Hendrickson, and welcome to Afraid of the Dark. We're going to have a great show tonight, but I, w- I always like to start the show with a little funny story. And, you know, I'm a tennis professional, and this afternoon I'm teaching my six kids that uh, love them to death. They drive me crazy. They're like 9 to 12 years old, and they just they're just there to have a good time. And there's one kid who's just, the guy cracks me up, and I actually learn something from him, like, every time I see him. But today, they're, they're all misbehaving. They're being little shit, and I'm like, guys, come here. Come here. Look, I want you guys to have a good time, but remember, we're here to play some tennis, and I just want you to listen to me. I don't ask a lot, but just listen and try a little harder. And the one kid looks at me and goes, you know, John, um, my parents pay you so we can come here, have fun. We're not going to be pros and just screw around. What do you say to that? What do you say to that? I love that kid. Anyway, that, that's my silly little story. All right.
0: And, well, that's kind of like what that's we, funny. that's what we feel like, you know, when we come online, we go on air. We're, this is our passion project. We're but, just here to have fun. And um, actually, the reason we're on YouTube is because we've gotten so much good feedback yeah. um, from fans and from people saying that they want us to take what we're doing so people can access us more easily. So here we are. We're actually, we're recording live. That's why I have this phone in front of my face. Um, We're recording live on our blog talk radio station um, called Afraid of the Dark. And this is our new YouTube channel, Afraid of the Dark. So welcome to our show tonight. We're going to be talking about when to know whether or not you should leave a relationship or stay in one. Um, And as we (laughs) were just talking about, um, we went on Facebook Live uh, just to kind of prime the pump for people. Um, it's not just intimate relationships. We're talking about relationships with family, relationships with good friends. Um, so these are going to be um, points to kind of sit and gauge and compare and contrast.
1: Yeah. I, lo- I love the fact that she broke that down. Cause as I was saying on the Facebook live and we're talking into a phone cause we had a mic issue. So, you know, and some lighting issues, but Hey, we're figuring it just out <laughs> as we go along. So, but what was great on, on, on Facebook live you mentioned that it's true. Whenever we think relationships, I think our minds automatically go to boyfriend, girlfriends, husband, wife, and we won't really want to friends. We're going to have difficulties with family members. So it's going to touch, you know, we're going to touch all that stuff tonight. So it's going to be a great show it's going to be maybe a tad uncomfortable cuz we're going to bring up some really important things to think about in your relationships and we're going to share some insights from our from our history, from our past, from things that uh, we've learned over the years when it comes to relationships. So, buckle up, let's have a good time and it's really weird to see myself on video doing this. <laughs>
0: All right, so before we even start talking about um, things to gauge and things to look at, I just I want to get everybody, I, I like to call it like beginner's mind, like let's all start in the same place. And what I want you to ask yourself is, you know, who are you bringing to whatever relationship it is that you are in? When I say who, I mean yourself. Are you bringing a happy person? Are you bringing a content person? Are you bringing a self that feels peaceful in their life and loves what they're doing? Are you bringing somebody miserable, somebody depressed, somebody who is dissatisfied or doesn't feel like they're powerful in the world? Because I tend to think that people at times will look to their partners to help them feel better or make them feel how they want to feel, and that is not uh, anybody else's job but yours. So I want to start there and and get us kind of thinking, you know, number one, who are we bringing back to whatever relationship this is, and are we taking responsibility for our own happiness and being the best person that we can be?
1: I love that. Seriously, I've never – I've never looked at it that way. You know, this this is one of the beautiful things about doing the show is we don't rehearse any of this stuff. We we have some notes, but when she brings something like that up, I've never thought of a relationship that way. I've never thought of, you know, what am I bringing to the table personally? What do I have to offer? I think we do we think about that maybe a little bit, but you know, to think about are we whole? Are we at peace with ourselves? Do we love what we're doing? Cuz these are all huge things. I think a lot of the times when we get into a relationship, we're projecting something into that person to fill a want or a need that we don't have in ourselves. You know, we're there to – We're in a way, we're, we're hoping they might fix us. <laughs> and I know we're going to talk about that because, hey, I'm a fixer.
0: <laughs> you are. I'm a
1: fixer, <laughs> which means I don't fix anything because I break it. <laughs>
0: So you know I, I think we all we all have roles in relationships, and you know i'm a I am somebody who has a lot of training in attachment work uh, with couples, and one of the first things that we learn in attachment theory is in every relationship, there tends to be a withdrawer and a pursuer, and I bet right now you're identifying which one you are um, and it can switch and change, but Um, A lot of times you'll see one partner's getting kind of crazy or one person in the relationship's um, getting amped up and intense and the other's kind of shutting down and being quiet, hoping the storm will pass. That's usually what we hear. So it's good to understand that a lot of our attachment styles that we do in our friendships and our intimate relationships stem from how we grew up in our families. Like what kind of attachment styles did we have? secure attachments with our parents? Were they anxious attachments? Were they insecure attachments? Did we feel unsafe in our families? We're going to play those roles out in our relationships. So, you know, again, starting from number one, who are we bringing to the relationship? Are we bringing a content, satisfied, happy, passionate person? Or are we bringing a broken, dissatisfied, disempowered individual that's looking outside of ourselves? to feel fulfilled.
1: Again, I think it's a great point to bring up. And I think this ties into a lot of the other shows we've done up to this point. And I, I always tend to fall back on some of those shows and bring up things from those shows. And I think, again, what this calls into is really good self-awareness of who we are as an individual, knowing our flaws, knowing our strengths and being in touch with all those things and not only being in touch with it, but being, so it's it's really important to be self-aware and, to be comfortable with who you are and where you're at because that is going to help you have a very strong relationship. So uh, again, I, I never looked at it that way. So I'm really, that changes my perception when it comes to how I view that now. So uh, thank you, Christina. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, in, in moving forward, if we're, if, if we're not the person that we want to be, if we're not able to deliver, um, the most optimal being that we can be, then we need to have an action plan, right? I'm kind of tired of listening to people um, just stay stuck in their stuff. It's like, okay, get up, time to do something, right? Go to the gym, go see a therapist, find a coach. Like let's take some action. I'm a New Yorker, right? So we're all about action and movement where, you know, I had to learn to sit still. So let's find a way to kind of get some action um, happening, so that we can bring a more optimal person. And the other thing um, from a yogic perspective is the field that we're creating, right? If we're happy and satisfied and content, that's a field. And so we're going to draw to us from that field. So it's really important that we take this seriously and really ground into this. So, okay. So from there, um, number one, um, you know, one of the things to gauge when you're in relationship with somebody is if they're stalking you a priority, right? And so that can look like a lot of different things, but not having time for you, not, not sitting down to listen to you. Um, If, if a challenge arises in your connection, they don't want to try to see it through or have a repair as we call in um, the field, do a repair on it. Um, and, and just really starts to push you away. It, it looks like what we call in traditional um, emotionally focused therapy, a withdrawer. So they start withdrawing and you either start with pursuing or shut down yourself.
1: Yeah. it's uh, we, we can always feel someone's energy, especially with someone that we're close to the good energy, the bad energy. And obviously in a relationship we're going to pick up on when that energy is starting to shift when they're slowly distancing, the, distancing themselves from you. Maybe they don't touch you quite like they used to. They don't ask the questions they used to. When, about I hear, your, I hear
0: a journey song. About <laughs>
1: journey, huh? Sorry. <laughs> faithfully. Anyway, um, to the tie in, yeah. but it's important that, you know, I think we all we're intuitive creatures. So, When something in your stomach is telling you something's not right, thing is amiss. we need to really, really listen to it. And I think what happens a lot of the times is when we start to feel that way, it's scary. And maybe you don't want to ask that question because you're afraid of hearing what the answer might be. But I think it's vital whenever you feel like you're not becoming a priority or were the priority like you used to be, that you look into what is causing this riff and try to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And even if the the thing coming up in your gut, you know, the insecurity um, is not actually valid, it can be brought to your person that you're in, in relationship with to strengthen the connection to say, Hey, I want to bring something up that's happening for me. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but this is what is happening for me. I'm feeling some insecurities. We haven't been connecting like we used to. And it's just, it's this way of, Taking your power and and showing what's happening for you, even if it's scary right so that's this that's where vulnerability comes in, and we can bring that um, in a way where we're going to use it to deepen the connection.
1: Yeah, I wanted to jump on that a little bit because in the past one of one of the things that I've learned about myself is whenever whenever I felt like I was becoming less of a priority or getting less attention than I used to get. I would run from asking and trying to, you know, figure out that, that detail. And then I would start to chase or pursue or fix. Or fix. And, yeah. you know, I mentioned fixed earlier. And the reality is if we can't be honest with ourselves, if we can't have that open line of communication and you're chasing, you're, you're setting yourself up for heartbreak. So it's better to ask those questions. It's better to understand why. This is going on than trying to pursue it and not value your self-worth is really what it comes down to also.
0: And on the other end of the spectrum, when we are, you know, if, if your partner is not making you feel like a priority and constantly pushing you to the side and not making time, um, the opposite of that would be that the person that you're connected to schedules a time to talk to you, sits down, shows concern, wants to understand what's happening for you, wants to know you better and try to fix um, whatever's going on in the relationship. So, um, you know, that's, that's a really important piece. So that's just a gauge like the positive and the negative, negative aspect of connecting and, you know, what's happening if someone's pushing you away um, did you want to say anything else about that?
1: No, I think we got it. Okay.
0: Okay, so the second one is um they want you to change, right? So gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people in my um my therapy rooms, they come in, they're with a person and they're wanting them to change all these things about themselves and 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 I kind of – I don't know if I've ever really done that, actually, but I I understand it, and it's kind of like, wait a second, you know. um, It's okay, I think, as we're – you know, becoming friends with, dating, relationship with people. I think that naturally and organically small little tweaks happen. Like we might get a little healthier. We might eat a little better because our partner eats healthier. And I think all that stuff is healthy and, and fine. But when we start getting into the big stuff like beliefs and um, way of life and whats um, what you're passionate about, um, turn it off, um, anyway and um, things like that. And that's like, those are huge, substantial changes. And, and that becomes a problem.
1: Yeah, I think when you think of changes, you don't want to change the person that you are. I mean, if you want to be a better person and improve, don't you love it when my phone goes off like this? So Turn it off. Anyway, yeah. but change who you are as an individual. Improve yourself, yes. That's 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 an obvious thing that we wanna do. We always wanna be a better version of who we are. But you don't want to change the essence of who you are. And when you have a partner that's pushing you to be someone that you're not, that's that's the issue. And I'll look back at my my second marriage. Um, oh, I think
0: there was two. There
1: was two. Well, there was one I you know, I there was two. There was one in Tijuana. It didn't last very long. I'm kidding, but um <laughs> had too many shots of tequila. I was young, but you know, in my second marriage, you know, she was a great girl. We, we, we had a great relationship, but she really wanted to change who I was. She had a, she had an image of what I should be. And that wasn't who I was. And I bought into it. And I tried to become this person that I wasn't. And that's why I'm saying my second marriage, because obviously it didn't last. So, you know, you le- I learned a valuable lesson from that, that I can't change who I am as an individual. I can't change the essence of who I am. But have I improved myself since all of this? 100%. Because I knew I could be a better version of me, and I have become a better version of me, but I'm still that same guy that I was. I'm just a more happy, peaceful, and self-assured person than I was.
0: Yeah, and again, I like I said, I change happens organically when we merge with somebody and we start sharing our lives with somebody, but it should happen organically. It should be each person's own decision, um, you know, that they want to spend more time working out together or cooking healthier or something like that. So it's so much different than like what John was just saying, where someone wants you to change like your image or, you know, um, how you show up in the world or anything like that. Then And, you know, that usually stems from somebody who's just not satisfied with their own self. So, again, they're they're not going inside and looking at what's going on because they're afraid of the dark. Good plan words. And so in being afraid of the dark, they are, you know, looking outside of themselves to control something, to focus on something, to keep from going inside their own self and actually having to deal with their own stuff. So, okay. So number three so realizing that your beliefs and goals and like your values are different. So I think as we grow together as people, um, over time, we can tend to find that, um, you know, one of us might want to spend more time being outside. The other might want to spend more time, you know, um, going, doing indoor activities. I just think that our values and our beliefs, um, can change over time. I know I was in a relationship with a man who uh, really wasn't very materialistic, and that was that was great for a while until we start until we started talking about getting a house and stuff like that and I was like, so I'm buying the house' <laughs> just like no, no, no no, so you know until like the the rubber hits the road, it's kind of like if you're in a partnership or you're working with people, you want to have shared beliefs and shared values, you want them to be somewhat similar I mean you don't have to have the same belief systems." But, you know, you want to have definitely close, you know, um, when you are thinking about how you want to move forward in your life, the goals that you have, where you want to put your energy, your time, your money. Um, It's definitely an important thing to look at.
1: Yeah. Think of it this way, guys. Whenever you form a friendship or a relationship with a, well, an intimate relationship, there's going to be a foundation of what's brought you together. And that's why you're together could be just um, you're good people. You've got a kind heart. You, you both uh, strive to have the same, some of the same goals and it's over time that that foundation starts to shift. And that's kind of what, that's how I view when our belief system starts to change because that foundation of what brought you together and why you're together needs to stay rock solid. Sure. It's going to evolve, but the foundation, that first layer of why you're together, needs to stay solid. And once if that foundation starts to shift, and that's kind of a red flag to why we're having this conversation right now.
0: And you know, the other thing um <clears throat> I put around values. One of the first things that I ask somebody when I get to know them, like I'm I'm talking now about intimate relationships, if if I'm dating somebody or getting to know them, I ask them are you committed to doing the work if things come up in the relationship? I I just get it out of the way because, you know, things, there's going to be bumps in relating. And if somebody doesn't have the courage and the commitment to say, yeah, I I will do whatever it takes. I will work on myself. I will, I will work on us. Um, I will put the time in because relationship is really important to me. I think that's a really good starting place because I have found myself in relationships in the past. And, you know, I'm a I'm a relationship and trauma coach. I'm a marriage and family therapist. So I, I'm all about relating, right? So after being in the relationship for a while, and, and I was younger, granted, um, found out that it was not the same level of commitment to working on, you know, their self as I was and the relationship. So it, it kind of left me in this interesting, like, quandary as to, you know, you love this person, you have a great connection. But... They don't want to learn how to coast through the bumps differently and become better on the other side of it and and it leaves you having to really take a look at if the relationship is worth it if somebody's not valuing it the same way that you are
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can all definitely talk about that i mean that that's one of the difficulties with any relationship long term is just you know evolving together, and it's going to tie into our next one, which is, you know, avoiding stagnation and really desiring to grow as an individual and as a couple. So I think we'll just tie it right into that because you kind of let it there perfectly.
0: Yeah, you know, that um, I talked before we even started with these these points is if somebody doesn't want to grow and they are constantly looking outside of themselves or not wanting to meet you, not wanting to put in the effort, then there's stagnancy that happens, right? A lot of times I see, um, and and sometimes my experience has been that one of the people starts working on themselves, right? And we all know that that, that's not good (laughs) because as one person starts changing Let's say they have better boundaries or they start saying no or they start asking for their needs to be met. The other person's still in the cycle and the old ways of being. So it's kind of like, you know, the homeostasis of the relating gets disrupted because suddenly there's one person going out and gathering new tools and growing and the other is still stuck in the old paradigm. So they're not able to meet the person that's doing the growing and that usually doesn't end well for relating um, because the one that's growing will eventually take off or find someone else because the conflict will keep ensuing. And um, like I said, they're just not on the same page anymore.
1: It's true, and it's. I look at it this way too. If, if one of us is really focusing on growing and becoming, again, I use this term, a better version of themselves and the other person is just kind of not doing much of anything when it comes to wanting you know, to, to improve themselves, the person that's being stagnant probably going to become a little bit more resentful or jealous because they're going to see the growth. They're going to see where you're going, and they're going to realize that they're not meeting you, and it's going to start creating that resentment. It's going to start creating that jealousy, and obviously that's going to you know, bring conflict in the relationship, and it goes vice versa too for the person that is growing when they're seeing that their partner is still doing the same thing and not trying to improve the quality of who they are or their lives they're also going to start feeling some resentment towards them. So it's really vital that you guys motivate each other to, you know, find, find hobbies to, you know, want to improve yourself help to just become better people. Because as long as you're stimulating each other and pushing each other to become better people and improve the relationship, then you guys are at least working together to become a better couple.
0: Yeah. I like that. I, one of the things that I think is important to gauge your relating in, in the relationships you have is if the person you're with, do they inspire you? Yeah. Right. Do they inspire you to become a better version? Like John was just saying, do you just, do you feel excited about life because you're watching what they're doing? Right. Um, I have a lot of projects going on in my life right now. And the people around me are like, Whoa, you know, I can definitely tell that it's, kind of amping them up a little bit. And I love seeing that because I, I want to be somebody who inspires the people around me. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't inspire everybody. I think like um, it could make them feel um, shamed, actually that they can't do what you're doing. I think, I think from a masculine perspective and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times men, if they're stagnant or not feeling empowered in their lives, if they see their woman or their partner, um, and stuff up, they could they could feel like they're not really in their masculine and, and that movement-oriented power and feel a
1: little emasculated. Would you agree with that? or I don't know. <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. And I mean, to me, whenever you want to improve anything in your life, it takes courage to do that. And sometimes courage means, you know, the title of our show, Afraid of the Dark, means stepping into something that we're not comfortable into doing and that fear of failure. But that's where the support system from your partner is vital. You know, if you're willing to take a risk and go for something that you really want to do, you, you need to have a partner who's going to be there with you and support you, even if you fail. But by having their support and that, that push, that guidance, that accountability, that's amazing. Because to me, if, if that's happening, you guys are growing together because you're working as a team. And to me, any type, you, anytime you have a partnership, friendship, relationship, whatever, I always view it as you're a team. You guys are a team. I'm there to support you and damn it, you're there to support me regardless if you fail or not. Show them that love, that support and encouragement. Okay. <laughs> I just think it's vital. Yeah. I, lo- I love, I love the version. I, I love to use team to me. It's all about
0: holding each other accountable. I mean, just our friendship. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, we'll call each other up and say something and one of us will be like, no, that's bullshit. You're, (laughs) you're definitely in your stuff right now and you need to need to take a look at that, you know? So it's, to me, that's invaluable. You know, one of the things I miss about uh, living in New York um, and maybe why a lot of my friends here in California are from New York is that there's this like really raw honesty. Um, Maybe it needs to be a little buffered sometimes, but there's something beautiful about someone looking at you and going, "No, you're you're lying to yourself right now." Um, you know, I I want that feedback because we have blind spots as people, right? And so, if you're in a partnership or a relationship that's genuine, you really get to know each other. Your your weak points, your strengths, um, your histories, what you're what you're up against in the world. If you're trying to become more empowered in your voice if you're trying to you know execute things in your life and if somebody knows you really well they'll help you in a way where you feel that they will they will keep you connected and to to what's real for you so Jesus, for a second yeah.
1: you know that's one thing that I love about her she's such a good friend I, you know, I was having kind of a shitty morning and um talking to her and she just she called me out on my shit and I can't tell you how important it is to have people in your lives that aren't afraid to call you out on your shit. Cause I think unfortunately a lot of us don't have that kind of support from people. We, we tend to just, it's
0: going to be okay. It's, it's good. good. Okay. You're good.
1: And you know, yeah, sometimes we need to hear it's going to be okay and it's good, but sometimes we need to hear, dude, come on, enough of this shit. Pull yourself up and go. It's, we need that. So I'd tell you support is it comes in many shapes and sizes and forms, and well, thank you, Christina yeah, thank you
0: and you know um, i i feel I feel that from you also, and that's why we're doing this radio show because I think we both have that courage and help each other. you know we don't just do this show, we live the things we're talking to you about, and we make sure that we are congruent with that because I can't be telling people that they should be doing things and not be doing them. It would just, it would eat at me, you know? So John and I sitting here talking to you, these are things that we are living in our lives. We've applied or are applying or are on the road to applying. And we're working really hard at it. It's it's our passion to grow as people and to help empower people to learn the things that are working for us and how to have a better lifestyle. So, okay. So number, number five, um, Living in past wounds. And what that means is, you know, if things happen to us along the way, like let's when we're really young or, um, you know, we're made fun of all the time when we're growing up, um, if those are not resolved, if those wounded aspects and parts of us are not healed, what happens is that we will start interpreting the world through that lens, especially when we're upset or we're overwhelmed. And where it's going to come out the most is in intimacy, right? So your partner comes up to you and says something and you go into a defensiveness because you think that they are making fun of you or you are worried they're going to abandon you, even if that's not what's happening. So because you've had such intense experiences, you know, it gets activated in the body and the lens we're peering through, if you've listened to our other shows, Whatever is reeling through your mind informs the subconscious. It's like a tape. And that is the lens that you're going to peer at the person across from you through. So we called John and I called this one living in your past wounds where, and I'm sure you guys can relate as I'm talking right now where you're like, Hey, I'm not your ex boyfriend or Hey, I'm not your mom. Right. How many times have you said that to your, your friend or to the person that you love? It's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like what are you talking about? you can be sure that the person that's kind of losing it, they're in a wounded part of themselves.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have a different spin on this also. I think, you know, when I read this one and started looking at kind of my experiences, um, and I think we all can probably relate to what I'm going to say, is sometimes we'll be in a relationship and it starts to get rocky. It starts to have some stagnation in it. And so we've been together for a while. Holding on to the memories of when it was good, mm. and we let the memories of when it was good kind of keep things afloat, and that's when it gets a little scary because, as human beings, and I know so many people, I hate to say this, but I know a lot of people that do this because I was one that did it, you know, in my marriage. For once, is we let those memories keep things afloat for not, not just maybe a month, not maybe two months, could be a year, ten years. Tell it could be a lifetime because we're just holding on to what was and not dealing with what is currently going on in your reality. So really make, make a conscious decision and really look at, you know, the nuts and bolts of a relationship. Are you living in the now? Are you still living in the past of when it was good? Are you making new memories? You know, that's another way of looking at it. Are you making new memories that will be lasting? Are you striving to do that? Or are you just going through the motions and just remembering when things used to be pretty fantastic?
0: Yeah, so it could be traumatic things that have happened in the past that you start to relive, or you're hanging on to um, good things that were happening. Like John was just saying, the relationship's going great for however long, and then things start to get bad. But you're clinging to something that doesn't exist anymore. And again, it's, it's causing distress right? How many times are you like, wow, but we were so good. You know, everything was going perfect. Everything was beautiful. And now it's not, but I know we can get back there. So on the other side of that, you know, cause we're looking at like pros and cons here is if you find yourself in cycles that are not healthy or projecting from, you know, living from past wounds, you can start changing that, start changing the themes. I think John just mentioned that and and what that looks like is realizing you know what are your wounds and how you project them onto other people or actively work together to get back to where you were and and figure out like what the barriers are that are blocking the relationship. Again, if somebody isn't committed to their own work and the work of the we. And that could be in a business dynamic. It could be in a family system or an intimate system. Then it's, it's, it's just not going to work. It's going to be one-sided. And like John was saying, resentment starts to form. All these different feelings start to come up. And now you're just, in you know, it's, it's, it's so challenging on multiple levels because there's a lot of resentment. And I see resentment as like bricks. You know, talk about building a wall. Um, have you ever been connected to somebody but felt completely separated from them, that's because there's, like, 500 bricks of resentments that haven't been resolved. So, um, yeah, changing the themes, doing something different, again. And a lot of times that might take help. I think relating, the alchemy of relating and finding the right way, more harmonious, we have to look to a coach, um, a, a therapist, a couple therapist. therapists somebody who has the skill set to help us because there's so many blind spots and there's so many challenges that come up. We can't always do it on our own, right? Even if you're a therapist, I've been in, I've been in couples therapy a few times throughout the years and I have learned so much from it because when I'm in my stuff and my body's lit up like a Christmas tree, I'm not remembering like couples theory one oh one. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm in my human role. And so I need somebody to guide me
1: and help me. So, I don't mean... No, I think it's great that she said that because I think unfortunately, we all view therapy as kind of that last-ditch effort and it's, it's like why do we wait to the last moment to try to fix something that's obviously broken or well, i'll just leave it at broken and i think what's so important is communication is, is vital being authentically honest with one another is key to having any healthy relationship And I find it ironic that, and I can, again, I'll use myself as an example. I look at a lot of my past intimate relationships, my marriages and stuff. And, you know, I said this earlier in shows, the communication was poor. You can be in love with somebody, you know, devote yourself, your heart, your soul, yet have absolutely poor communication Mm -hmm. because you're afraid to say what's really going on in your mind because you don't want to hurt that person or you don't want to rock the boat and, obviously, when we're doing that, what's going to happen? It's just going to start creating more resentment, more toxicity. I can't speak toxicity in the, in the relationship. So it's vital. I mean, we've talked about this many times, communication, self-awareness, but why are we afraid to talk to our partner? Mm -hmm. I mean, why are we afraid to do that? What is, can you answer that?
0: Yeah. I mean, mean, it's just,
1: it's one of those things that I,
0: I can hypothesize. I know. Well, I know that what what people have told me in the past that I was friends with or that I dated is that they were afraid to be seen yeah I mean really it's it's I think I think it's different for men than it is for women in in my uh talks I've had with with guys I think that they're really taught to push things down and not deal with things and just just be a guy and you know, get it done. And so when you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's a woman or another man, you know, intimacy requires depth. And in the field, we say that we need to learn to connect the behaviors we're doing to our primary emotions. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that a lot of times, you know, uh, let's say the primary emotion is fear, right? our behaviors may be shutting down, withdrawing, running. So the person on the outside has no idea what's going on and neither does the person running. But if you learn that the running, the shutting down is actually you're trying to preserve the relationship, which is what a withdrawer does, who just kind of pauses and goes inside and and doesn't want to you know, doesn't know how to deal with the conflict that's coming toward them, they're trying to preserve the relationship. They're, they're not coming from a bad place. And the other thing is the fear that they're feeling in their bodies, um, especially if it's a guy, you know, they don't know how to navigate that, so they run. So learning like, what are the primary, primary emotions? And then you guys share that with each other there's a there's a form of couples therapy, and I'm just going to give a shout out because I find it's so effective it's called emotionally focused therapy for couples until I got trained in doing that, literally, I was working and this was so long ago. I stopped working with couples because it was so hard and now it's like I went to r e i with like a five thousand dollar gift certificate i mean it I have pads and you know beds and tents and jetty boils and i'm i 'm like stacked up with resources of how to do intimacy and that piece I just shared around linking your primary emotion, which is the the emotion that we usually are not in touch with to the behaviors that we 're doing in the outside, is really step one to learning how to deepen with your partner so you know, your partner doesn't think you're abandoning them or does that you don't care when in actuality you really do care, you're fucking petrified. And so your behaviors make much more sense when you can link the behavior to the primary emotion. Did that answer?
1: I think it did answer. And I think, I think one of my biggest fears when, you know, whenever there was dysfunction in a relationship was just um, fear of what was going to come out of it. Would it be over? And sometimes the fear of being alone or the fear of a long-term relationship coming to an end is almost too scary for us to to deal with. So we'd rather live in the illusion of what we think is okay. Mm -hmm. And ask yourself, do you want to live in an illusion? Do you want to live in a false sense of happiness? And I, I think all of us would say no, but unfortunately a lot of us have or are. Because we're afraid to have that real talk. We're afraid to show our fears. We're afraid to really know what's going on in our partner's mind. Because maybe it doesn't include you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But think of it this way. Wouldn't you rather be with somebody that wants you to be in their lives than to be with someone who deep down doesn't want you to be in their life? Mm -hmm. You're both not being fulfilled. And I know that sounds harsh. But if you really sit back and think about it, You know, from the outside looking in, you'll quickly say, God, he's absolutely right. Why would I want to be with somebody that ultimately doesn't want to be with me? It's a scary way of looking at it, but the reality is it's the right way to look at it.
0: And, you know, I just want to comment that another reason why it's so hard to let go of things that maybe aren't serving us anymore in whatever kind of um, relating we're doing is because we are mammals. And according to attachment theory, the mammalian brain that we have is all about connection. We love connection. We feel better when we're connected, right? When we have a partner, it's shown that our immune system works better. Um, we, we are healthier. We have less fear when we have to face the world. So the idea of a partner versus not having one or having close friends versus not having friends um, can be challenging, and to navigate that, you need to get some help with that, right? So, I think if it's if you find yourself in a situation where you know that it's time to move on, and that you're in a dynamic that you're feeling like we talked about um, before, we get to the last one here, living living in the past in in trauma, you know, like a more trauma wounded place where you're projecting that onto your partner. Or there's stagnation, incongruency. One of you wants to do the work, the other doesn't. Beliefs and goals are different. You know, um, if someone's trying to change you to become a completely different person um, and not making you a priority. If you're really, if you're seeing all of those, it's definitely time to go. You know, um, if you're not, then what we're trying to say is, like, work on it. Um, get some skills. A great book if you're in an intimate relationship and you want to work together is called "It's Called Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson. Um, she founded the EFT um, Attachment Therapy. It's a really good book to read with your partner to understand what's going on. So one of the last ones here that we talked about is addiction. And I think uh, we all know people that have addictions or have them ourselves. Um, addictions can be anything, food, people, sex, cigarettes alcohol, drugs. Um, it's it's rampant rampant in our culture. And, you know, it's not to say that you can't be with somebody that's kind of battling an addiction or has challenges with an addiction. If they are doing the work and they're actively wanting to get help and you see that they're getting help, then what really heals any addiction is connection. Because what I learned from a lot of trainings that I went to is addiction begins when there is a loss of connection if you really sit back and think about it it's like the death of a parent or the loss of your first love you started drinking or addiction begins from the loss of connection so to have connection while your addiction is definitely something that you can navigate but if the person does not want to do their own work you it's just, it's a disaster. It turns into a vicious, vicious codependent cycle, which we're not going to get into today, but um, it, it's just not going to work.
1: Wow. That's, that's a good way to look at it though. Cause she's right. I mean, if, if someone has an addiction to whatever it is, they're trying to fill a hole that they don't have filled. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a difficult one. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can honestly say, luckily, I've never had to experience that um, Was been with somebody that's got an addictive, addictive personality or an addiction to something, but um, that would be very challenging for sure, because connection is what it's all about. And if they're numbing themselves out with drugs or whatever it could be, it's going to be very difficult to have that connection. So, you know, that would require a lot of work. That would require a lot of trust. You know, that's, that's the big thing right there is having trust in that individual and in each other to to really try to work through this as a, well, we said this earlier team, which is vital, especially when something like this is on the table.
0: Yeah, and if you look at it this way, if you're in a healthy connection with somebody, like let's use an intimate connection, your intimate partner is your primary attachment figure, right? Which means you go to them when things are wrong, you go to them when things are right? You guys kind of meet each other and hold each other. When someone has an addiction, they're already in a relationship, girl. They're already in a relationship with their addiction. <laughs> That's what comes first. You're second, right? Or even third. <laughs> so unfortunately, the addiction becomes who and what they turn to first. And they use that to uh, deal with life and the things that they don't want to to address. So there can be no intimacy because you don't get to see those things because they're numbed out, they're blotted out. And so addiction is definitely a tricky one. So, so navigate that one with help. And hopefully the person that you're, um, even if it's a family member, hopefully you can rally other people that love that person around them to encourage them to reach out for some help because um, everybody needs help. And addiction is a sneaky, sneaky disease. All right. So uh, hopefully today, John and I were able to give you some good tips on ways to navigate whether you should stay in a relationship or you should go and some of the challenges of letting go of that attachment that you have and ways to kind of look at it from, from both sides of the coin. Like um, we were saying earlier, If you have a few of them going on, try working on them. Try getting some help. Try talking to your partner or your friend or your loved one and see if they're willing to put in some time and maybe learn some new skill sets to try to navigate the challenges. But definitely sit back and take an inventory of what's going on in the relating that you're doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all want to be happy, obviously. We all want to feel fulfilled and loved and supported. And I think everything we talked about tonight is an opportunity for you to take some inventory in your personal relationships So I know it's a scary thing to do, but I think it's a vital thing to do because if you really want to be happy, you need to be honest with yourself, and you need to be honest with whoever you're having a relationship with, friends, family, lovers, because it all comes down to just being straight with one another. And I'd like to end the show with a couple quotes, and I'm going to give props to Jay Shetty because I think these quotes are really how do, how do you spell his last name? S-H-E-T-T-Y. Okay,
0: Jay Shetty. Jay yeah. Shetty.
1: And I just I think these are beautiful, and I think it's a great way to kind of wrap the show. And here it is. So even at your best, you're not enough for the wrong person. Mm-hmm. But at your worst, the right person will remind you of your worth. Oh, I like that. So think about that. Think about that and see if that relates to any of your relationships. And I'm going to finish it with one more, because <laughs> this one is pretty brilliant also. If a relationship isn't working, it's like watering a dead plant. Simple, nice. but true. Right on. Guys, I want to thank you for listening. This is our first YouTube show. Um, it was a, a learning experience for us, and I think we we pulled it off okay. We got the lighting right, so... <laughs> I want to say thank you very much for watching. Thank you much for listening for all those people that are out there listening us listening to us uh, via Blog Talk. And thank you so much.
0: Have a great night and happy relating.